0: Happy Q3, listeners. For this upcoming quarter, we thought we'd do something new and ask you a couple questions. Have you ever felt like you haven't been maintaining momentum with a hobby that you started? Well, you're in luck because this series is called Maintaining Momentum, and we're going to be covering tips and tricks to maintain momentum throughout the third quarter of this year. We thank you for consistently listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the How To Hobby Podcast. This is your host, John Power, bringing you another episode of the podcast. This is episode 67, and I am joined by none other than my fearless co-host, Sean Bennett this evening, and we're bringing you an absolutely new segment as we enter into Q3 we're calling it the Maintaining Momentum series. Sean, how are we doing? Happy Fourth of July, or uh, coming out of uh, a Fourth of July weekend? You we got a little bit
1: of time off. Was it good? It, it was. It was really good. Uh, you know, Kate came down here. We spent it down in my place, and it was it was really good. July Fourth, really good weekend. And then going into that shorter week was really nice. And then coming uh, out of that, it was it was all in all just just a good week. Uh, you know, I mean, I've I've been pushing hard at work. I've got a lot of stuff going on, but it's been awesome. But I, I before we get started tonight, I have to tell you about something that I'm doing tomorrow that I think uh will make you very happy. Are you ready oh, for it? Oh my
0: goodness. Okay. Yes.
1: So I joined Toastmasters, like I know I've talked about before. I'm actually the vice president of public relations for the ASML Toastmasters uh uh chapter in San Diego but what I'm doing tomorrow is as a Toastmaster your first speech is your icebreaker speech and I am actually doing my icebreaker speech on how a really good friend and I decided to start a podcast together (laughs) and that that is actually going to be my topic for tomorrow so I'm giving it 12 o'clock tomorrow oh uh, i'm gonna be i'm gonna be doing this it's about a, uh, anywhere from four to six minute speech introducing myself and then i'm gonna break down you know how i first got interested in a bunch of different hobbies how i really like to listen now there's talk and then how you and i decided to connect and start building a podcast together so yeah this kind of cool thing full circle came around but uh yeah i'm gonna be giving a speech on on how you and i started the how to hobby podcast so i'm, I'm excited for that tomorrow
0: that is unbelievable well done uh I, I'm honored that you would even be be willing to 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 show us off. I mean, this is just unreal. But again, I guess we are co co part co owners of this beautiful thing that the, the How To Hobby platform. So good luck tomorrow. And thank you. We actually had another cool thing happen, Sean. Uh, we were highlighted on, on a local podcast. Really? Um, yeah, called Rails and Trails, and it was uh, a podcast that aired on June twentieth. Uh, my dad was actually on a Amtrak train adventure for 30 days which is probably an episode in itself. Uh, but he met he met a guy who does train travel consistently. I think they were on their way to Chicago and or outside of it. It was something along those lines, but the but the episode was about how he met my dad uh, who my dad is a chaplain. So the episode's called A Palm Reader, A Teacher an Amish mountain man and a chaplain. So my dad was kind of the last person to be highlighted, and that would start around 21 minutes in. So if you're interested, listeners, um, go go check it out. Yeah, my dad was kind of also happy about what we've been doing here on the podcast, Sean. So and and turns out the Rails and Trails man himself came over and took a listen and listened to a couple episodes, and he liked what he heard too. So oh thanks thanks a lot if you're ever out there uh rails and trails master uh what's i don't know i don't know his name i should probably find that out but maybe we can get in contact at some point daniel it's daniel 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 well done sean i'm i can always count on you for some (laughs) some real quick it's just daniel so thank you daniel and listeners if you're interested rails and trails we'll put a link into the show notes uh, so you can link it on there and uh, check it out on Spotify. I think he's probably on all the, the listenership platforms, but that was pretty cool. So, and then Sean another big thing happened. Um, I, I did my annual 32nd birthday hike. Uh, so I turned 32 and listeners, I every year have decided to pick a new trail and a new challenge for my birthday that I'll, that I take on. And this year, I uh, took on the San Jacinto Mountain, uh, which is outside of Idawile to the south, or sorry, to the east, and then it's actually west of Palm Desert. So you can kind of do. There's two different routes to get up there. One is called Cactus to Clouds, and that is borderline suicide. And then, <laughs> and then, and it's just as bad as it sounds. Or well, I guess the clouds are nice, but the cactus side is is no bueno. And then or you can go from Wild. So we did the Wild route and it was an overnight route with, with some of my friends that have been doing this with me for now uh, four years running. So pretty pretty cool. And and I'm I'm I don't know, it's just it's just weird when you set something in motion. Talk about maintaining momentum, Sean. I set it in motion four years ago and and, and decided to start this off with a group of guys and it, and we've been able to maintain it. And it's been really cool to see one they get so much, like we all get so much out of it. But the other thing that's so cool about it is how you're able to continue to hone your gear list, your craft. You know, I know I'm going to have a guaranteed backpacking experience and these aren't like we're we're pulling full packs. Like this is so we were hiking, it's like 4000 foot elevation. It's no joke. Um San Jacinto. I mean, these are tough hikes. Mm-hmm. And and you're you're carrying a, a forty pound pack, so I use it kind of as an opportunity to really push myself, and and get get you because I have a longer one coming up here in August. It's gonna be a, a, a five day, five night, four day uh, adventure in Wyoming. So th- this is kind of a good precursor, right? Gets me ready uh, and ready to get get even more kicked in the rear end. So yeah, that was fun. And, wow, we have a lot going on, Sean. This is great. I'm glad a we have. Busy couple of weeks. <laughs> That's, this is good. And episode 67 is here already. I can't believe it. Uh, so, listeners, we thank you for joining tonight or, or today, whenever you're listening. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, if you've enjoyed the overall show and what we've got going on here, if you wouldn't mind just hitting and giving us a five-star review Uh, we would just really appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, give us a follow, give us a rating, and, and we'd appreciate it. Now, there are another few ways that we would appreciate feedback, and that is through our Gmail account. So if you have things that you're picking up during the show and you're going, ah, Sean, you just didn't cover this, or John, maybe you could have said this better Give us, a, give us a line directly at our Gmail account, and that's howtohobbypodcast at gmail.com. We have an Instagram and Twitter that we've been putting content to recently. I actually put up some some highlights about my hike. Sean put a post up today uh, about some of his things he's been doing in the backcountry, meeting people, uh, socializing. You know, He's a man, man about uh, – he, he stays well-informed with the hobby community. And so that's at our Instagram, at HowToHobbyPodcast. And then we do have a website as well, HowToHobbyPodcast.com. So without further ado, we're going to dive into tonight's content, listeners. It is about maintaining momentum in quarter in Q3 of this year. And we're we're kicking it off with a bang, with hiking and backpacking, how you maintain momentum with those two hobbies. Again, this is sort of, this is the next level. You know, we have gone through in the past and given you what you need, how to get it and how to get out and do it. But tonight we're going to be talking about what's next. So this is that next step. You're wondering, oh, I've been doing this for a while. The honeymoon phase is over, Sean, and we're ready to take it to the next level. So starting out with what's next, What if I'm somebody who's coming into the game and I'm trying to start hiking, backpacking, what should I be looking towards? yeah
1: so the like you said it's perfect perfectly phrased that honeymoon period where it still has the glamour to it you're still really excited about it once you start to come out of that and you're getting into the you're not as you know like glittery eye looking at maybe hiking it's still fun but it's not quite the same that is the most the highest likely time that you're gonna stop the hobby That's when you're most likely to say, you know what, I'm just not interested in this anymore. It's not worth the effort. You know, it just doesn't mean what it used to. So if, if you really do enjoy what you're doing, the key is to stick to it. As you hit, come out of the honeymoon phase and you're going into this feels a little bit harder to get motivated. The key is just stick to it and keep doing it. I promise once you get through that initial slog, it'll be absolutely worth it because you will come out on the other end where John and I are now with our hiking and backpacking experiences, the gear and the stuff that we have. I think that you have to just say, you know what, I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to keep doing it no matter what. Do you agree, John? Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, this is... It, it, it's very important, and and a lot of this, what's next for these two hobbies, is going to be related to getting connected. You know what the planning is going to be related to these two hobbies, and and the next one, which is be confident. So not only having to stick to it, I mean, sticking to it's going to be it's going to be synonymous with almost every hobby that we cover on this maintaining momentum segment through the rest of this this quarter, but being confident is very important with, with it as well, because if you're not confident, then you're just probably going to stop. And so it's, it's very much interrelated to sticking with it, uh, without confidence and, and continuing to do it. You won't be able to continue to build confidence. So Even at this point, you're coming in, maybe you've done a number of hikes and you may not be feeling 100% confident. That is totally okay. We want to urge you to continue the process, to continue to look towards the next adventure, the next moment to do a hike or a backpacking trip. And and it's going to grow your confidence. I mean, every time, listeners, I get out there, I am growing in my confidence in some way. And so these, these are very important what's next steps that it's very easy, as Sean said, especially like seasonally. You know, it, it's always going to be either too cold or too hot when you're talking about hiking and backpacking. Yep. And, but you know what? It's just something you got to dive into and, and set goals for. And I'm telling you, you will be smooth sailing from there. Again, I, I outlined at the beginning of the show, me and my friends four years ago decided to put a trip on the books. And every year, I mean, I see my friends getting more and more confident. We get more and more comfortable with one another. And so, yeah, Sean has, a, has outlined another really great step here, uh, yeah.
1: which I'll let you dive into, Sean. Yeah, so the cool part about the confidence is it's twofold. You're not just confident in your skills in the hobby, you're confident in your ability to stick to something. And that's that's a cool confidence to build. I'm somebody that when I first start a hobby, I like to do it solo. Because I feel like I can fully wrap myself in it. I can get fully, you know, encompassed and enveloped by this new hobby. And I don't really want to share that, right? Like I want to experience that myself. So when you when you start to hit this uh phase where you're coming out of out of the honeymoon phase and things are get a little more difficult, something that I found that really helps for me is to look for others who have the same hobby to do it with. For example, John, your your buddies that you do this trip with. That's the Most perfect example I could think of, of finding people who are, have the same interest as you and saying, Hey, let's stick with this together. Let's motivate each other to keep doing it. And let's push each other to keep staying involved. Don't drop out. Don't let, you know, other responsibilities get in the way, still stick with this hobby that brings you joy and makes you happy. So look for others who have, you know, the same hobby and do the same hobby with them.
0: Yeah, and and I think experience level is important if you can connect with people that are also building. And again, you don't have to be on the exact same level. It's not that you're on the same footing, but you should be willing to let it work itself out. You need to almost test the waters. Like, hey, it starts casual. Hey, do you want to go catch a weekend hike with me? And see how you feel. Mm -hmm. See how you guys interact. See how you communicate. I mean, these are very important things
1: to establishing these connections? So I, start with the casual. I just had this happen this morning. I have a coworker who I've been killing really good friends with and I joke, like no less than 12 hours ago we had this conversation of hey the next time you're hiking over miss trails let me know i live over there i'd love to go hiking with you my girlfriend doesn't like to hike i'm looking for somebody to do it with that is the perfect person to be like yes let's hang out let's go hike you know my girlfriend also doesn't like to do hiking so we can we can fulfill each other's needs bond. in terms of hiking we can bond so yes look for others who have the same hobby
0: yeah, and it's it's really not hard listeners. There, we've highlighted a number of ways. You don't need friends. You can go on meet meet up and, and get uh get inspiration there as a as a starting point. Again, like hopefully it's organic, but and and I think it will. Like I was Sean, this is an interesting one. I was actually riding my bike in San Diego. I brought my bike out to San Diego over the last week for the holiday, and I was riding around Coronado. And I met a guy who actually lived, believe it or not, in Tempe, which Ooh, is just north no of me way. here. No, he pulled up right next to me and we just started having an organic conversation. And now we're following each other on Strava. And that took five minutes. <laughs> and we were both riding our bikes. I mean, it's just so funny how these things happen. Yeah. And and this is, just, I'm just sharing this to highlight listeners that you could just be doing the thing and you could end up finding somebody, some of my best favorite moments that I've ever had have been with linking up with random people on the trail and just having being in like a similar flow that day and just having a great time. Mm -hmm. And I could go down the list and maybe at some point we can talk through our stories of people we've met and things we've done in these moments. But yeah, there's been some good ones. So yeah, I encourage you to do it. Another big one here, and this will be our final step for what's next, is plan your year around the hobby that you want to focus on. Sean and I talk at length about what we have going on regarding our travel plans and that hobby that we love to do, which it is a hobby, listeners, traveling. And hiking, backpacking, biking, uh the various things that we love doing. We're going to set time at the you know throughout the year to do it. Now on some of the bigger ones like hiking, well, I guess more backpacking centered you're going to have to pick specific trip dates to be able to make it happen because I'm going to be focusing tonight on trips of four to five days and Sean is going to be kind of more talking towards the four-hour hike window. So we're going to kind of split it up in that way but in terms of planning a five-day backpacking trip, I know how hard it is because I've been doing that for the last six years myself as well with a group of buddies and man some years you just don't make it happen because the year just flies by so if it's something you're interested in doing i would encourage you to plan the year around that hobby and whether it be backpacking or riding or whatever the hobby you choose but tonight we're specifically talking about backpacking so plan your year around those big trips and and even if something is similar like it is hard to get up and get early get up early to go hike a mountain that's what we have to do here sean in the summer yep. like if you want to get a hike in you're getting up at, at 4 35 o'clock to go and do it before the sun mm-hmm. comes up correct so i across the board you can either sleep in or sleep in on the year or you can get out and do your thing listeners and that's <laughs> come on we do our thing we do our thing, 100 percent. come <laughs> on we don't sleep in we, got we, don't we don't sleep in. We don't we do we don't eat breakfast and we don't sleep in. We <laughs> gotta start a we gotta start a shirt. It'll be like your face and mine. Yep. If we don't eat breakfast and we don't sleep in. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All right, listeners. So next level tools is gonna be the the next thing we're covering here. So we're st- we started with what's next. Now we're gonna dive into what is the next level tools that are gonna take you and your hobby here, specifically hiking and backpacking, to the next level. Sean, give me something that you've been bringing recently during your hiking adventures that you just can't go without.
1: Yeah, so I've got two categories here that I'm gonna talk about in this episode. The first is when we talk about the, the normal beginning of tools for hiking, usually start with hiking shoes, a water bottle or some sort of hydropack in your backpack, sunscreen, a hat, maybe some outdoor pants. That's usually about as advanced as you get when you're first getting into it. You're downloading maybe like all trails using Google Maps or whatever it is to get your your maps through the trails. And that's a fantastic place place to start. And honestly, I spent years kind of in that mode. Where I'm now taking this to the next level is in order to pull yourself into the more advanced hiking, it's not, it's, you can't really hike more advanced, the hike itself. You can pick longer hikes, maybe more difficult hikes, but the hike is a hike, you're just walking. It's not that complicated. So what you have to do to try and get to the next level is start paying it get out of your head and pay attention to what's around you. And this is where I've taken several classes and I'm starting to do more of is instead of using normal GPS on my phone, I'm getting more into using topo maps slash trail maps slash using a compass, setting an azimuth and actually navigating through the world with that. So, John, so this is a, a physical map. This is, yes, a physical paper map. Oh, wow. Uh Goodness, okay. it's actually not that hard to find. You can either go to REI and get trail maps of your local area. If you want a topo map specifically, you can just go to something like MyTopo, which will be able to create a topo of any area that you want. Uh but or Cal Topo if you're in California. So there are this is a way in which you are now paying more attention to your surroundings. And that's why I like this because now you're more focused on rather than just following the blue line, maybe on the map or on your phone, you're going, okay, I want to get on this trail through here. I see it's going to have this elevation gain, looking at the, the ridges. It's going to have this turn. Oh, if I go too far, I'm going to hit water. So if I hit water, I've gone too far and you turn around, pay attention to the mountain ranges so that you can kind of orient yourself as you're walking. This is how you pull yourself into the more advanced level of hiking. And would you agree, John, this this also relates if you eventually want to get into backpacking too, because I, I look at backpacking almost like more advanced, the next level of hiking. You're now combining hiking and camping and bringing all of that together. So yeah. you, do you know of anybody or do you have any experience using this kind of compass and topo maps on, on backpacking trips? Oh, totally.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it really depends. Uh, I And I do want to say also, I've used Cal Topo. And, and the cool part it's not just California, Sean. I don't know. I don't know if oh. you you knew, but you I've mapped numerous states, state routes. I mean, it's the entire U.S. Okay, so cool. So that's kind of my go-to because you can print them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but another one I do highly recommend is the Gaia offline maps because there's there's a little cheat there. You can actually now this does kind of require a little bit more gear. Uh, you have to carry a a charging pack. Like a anchor charging pack, bank charging bank, I guess is what I should say to uh, charge your phone mm-hmm. if you're doing the digital. But I I do always try to have additionally a for for backpacking to have a a printed physical map. So yeah, I like the and 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 actually one of the times Sean I I don't know if I've ever shared this on the on the podcast one of my first ever backpacking trips with a group of friends of mine. In uh, Yosemite, we actually, it was so bad snow-wise, we had no idea where the trail was. We were almost Hmm. off trail the entire time. And if it wasn't for my, and this was like a four-day deal. I mean, this was pretty big. We were going out there. And it was early spring, and they got a heavy snow. And we thought that it would be fine. But yeah, if it wasn't for me printing out topo maps, and having my compass i guarantee you we would have been much more frightened than we were i'll mm-hmm. t- I'll, I'll say it that way um, because we were able to pinpoint our exact location and and make our way back but yeah it was it was ha- about as hairy as it can be i mean we were not on trail we, wow. we were like up on ridges there was one time this was the craziest thing of the whole experience there was one time we were coming up a ridge off trail and legitimately to our left or i think it was to our right there was a fresh imprint of a of bear tracks going up huh. the exact same ridgeline it was i mean it was like the craziest thing i anyway that
1: we we survived listeners clearly <laughs> <laughs> you made you made it back yeah, I think I think that having looking into something like this, and there are fantastic classes, I've taken two outdoor survival classes myself that involved uh, land navigation, you can look and learn how to use top maps and how to use compasses and how to really utilize them to the extreme If say your GPS dies, or you don't have the money to purchase a GPS, you can get maps for free compass for 20 bucks, and you'd be able to, to work on navigating your way through. So that that's my first you know kind of next level tool. The last one I'm going to talk about for this section is binoculars. And this is something that if you say you're a birder, you're like, Psh, "What are you talking about? That's a that's a beginner tool." Well, for the average hiker, it's not
0: right no i don't i don't have them
1: (laughs) yeah so we're just out hiking we're just walking around we're looking at the plants and stuff but for me i do not hike without my binoculars even if i don't plan to use them i get i like having them there in case i need to and i like planning and and you know practice how you want to work right so you practice how you play so i always bring it with me but when you see the random bird in the distance you're like man what is that pull the binoculars take a look or you know hiking through mission trails here in san diego there are a lot of chances if you especially go early in the morning you see deer coyotes i mean a lot of really cool jack rabbits like really cool creatures and stuff that you don't normally get to see because you can't get close enough to them purchase a you know it doesn't even have to be that expensive a good pair of binos you know now you can buy i mean i bought mine and they are really good for less than 200 dollars. i mean they go up to thousands of dollars but you know 200 bucks you can get a really pair They're the the, the vortex uh um, vortex nation yeah i can't remember the the name of the 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 diamondbacks so the vortex diamondbacks they're they're freaking amazing so uh i would highly recommend if you really want to take your hiking to the next level get binos. and and again the theme here for me when it comes to hiking is the next level of hiking is no longer paying attention to the hike itself you're not just paying attention to walking don't roll my ankle here oh i have to climb that hill you know You're focusing on, you're pulling your head up. You're looking at the plants, the animals, the birds, everything that around you, the scenery, the ocean, even the, the cars, if maybe you're hiking next to a road or whatever it is, that's how you take hiking to the next level and, and make it really, really fun because you could hike the same trail 10 times and see something different every single time. And that's what I love so much about hiking.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm right there with you. And this is, this is what's so beautiful about the world we live in. You will see different things. And experience different things. Like for instance, I was riding my bike today, and we're about to enter monsoon season. And man, there's nothing like the way the desert smells mm-hmm. on the on the onset of moisture in the air. It's just so unbelievable. I don't know how it happens, or I think maybe it did rain or somewhere off and it was kind of like being blown in, but man, it smells so good. I was it may be hot enough to roast you, but it smells
1: good. I I've spent a long time since I've smelled that smell you know but there is something special about uh, a wet desert is it's a really really cool smell no it's oh so good so let me
0: talk about my next level tools great job Sean and I do need to get some binos I want some diamondbacks I want to join the vortex nation so uh, we are not sponsored not yet not yet, but by this next company, I am definitely willing to take because I have talked at length about this product. This is a next level product, and I'm telling you, Sean, every time I bring this on a hike or backpacking trip adventure, I've done a hike backpacking adventure. It does not matter. This is a showstopper. It is the Catadine B Free. It is a, uh, uh well my top tier product two years running. I mean so I, I originally purchased this in 2022. I was put on by a youtuber, uh, a hiking youtuber and was intrigued so I got I got one. and let me tell you I have not looked back. No issues for two years of use. I'll put a link in the description. Uh, I have both the 0. 0.6 liter and the one liter and it is pretty much like a silicone bag with a that obviously it's it's very lightweight because it's bag when you fill it up it's it's got the water it's got the rigidity of or bounce back of water i don't know how you want to call that but so it's pretty much just a bag that you put water in um that does not again you have to be a little bit careful but it's it's very durable i've had it on i just had it on another big trip And let me tell you how many of my friends use this. I'm pretty sure every single one uses it at least once during the trip because that is how good this product is. Oh, dude, my thing, my buddy Sawyer Squeeze uh, was was having some issues. Um, It wasn't allowing, it got clogged. And again, I don't know. I'm a big fan of Katynine. Like I have the Hiker, and that's like my full length pump. For when I really need to get, you know, a lot of leaders. But but for the for the up and atom, this thing is just great because when you're on the trail, you can just take the top off. The top contains its own filter system. So that's the beauty of this B free. And so when you put it all you have to do is put the put the the portion, the, the bag portion, right into the stream, let it fill up. I mean, you feel awesome doing it, which I I think that's part of the, the key here, listeners. This product makes you feel good. And that is a key to next-level hobbying. I mean, my friends, it was like, my friend wanted to just hold it and do it. He's like, dude, can I do it? I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm taking this in right now. This is my favorite product two years running. I've got to just, I'm not, I mean, I, I I'm not joking. this is like legitimate. He was like, oh, can I, I I really want to like get some water and and do this because, you know, again, you get, it's perfectly cold when you get up in altitude. I'm talking like seven, 8,000 feet Mm -hmm. and you start tasting that spring water. One, we've had an unbelievable snow this year. So get out to the Sierras, get out to your local high elevation peaks and start drinking the water listeners because it's unbelievable. With a filter, of course. But the Katadyn B-Free has it built into the cap. I've had no problems with clogging. It's unbelievable. Uh, and it again, two years running, I have had no issues. And I'm telling you, I had four people on the on the hike with me. And every single one of them used my, my B-Free at least once. I was rocking the .6. I was optimally hydrated because at every stream crossing, I was grabbing... 6 liters and just, you know, it's just a quick chug. You can just keep, mm-hmm. so you're not depleting your water stores. It's a safety measure. It's like, I, I mean, I could talk for probably another 45 minutes about this product, but I'm not going to listeners. You're probably like, John is going too long already. So I'm just going to say it. I'll link it in the description. That is a next level tool. And I don't know what confirms it more than when you have four friends that are just Jonesing, hey man, can I get a, can I use that? Hey, can I can I just get a quick swig using your water bottle, bro? Don't you have your own water? Like, okay, fine, I'm a am I'm a generous guy, so that that's that's product number one. Next level tool number two for me. Anything to say about the Catadine, Sean? I, nope. I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm jealous.
1: I don't have one, so I'm going to have to do you need, it. You need to get one because the
0: last time I was hiking, I saved some guys with, with the same apparatus. They were up at the top of the mountain, not enough water, which is another big problem with, with young hikers. I find yep. entering in and you never bring enough water. And they were like, dude, I'm dying. I was like, Hey baby, I got this amazing Katadyne b free. Let me talk to you about it. And you can drink some water out of it. And so I pitched that. I don't know why I'm pitching it. (laughs) That just shows how much I love the product. I'm not even. I need to start getting some royalties. Like, come on. (laughs) uh, So the next product that I'll highlight, next level tool, is the Hilltop Packs food bag. This thing, it's just a bag, but it's a next level tool because they give you. I mean, the whole thing, the whole assembly is probably 20 bucks. On Hilltop Packs. I will put the link in the description. But if you want to forego the annoyance of carrying a bear canister, can, canister, canister. and become, become a pro, take your hobby into the next level of backpacking, then you want to grab the Hilltop Packs food bag. It comes with—well, you can get the bag if you want alone, but the next level move is getting the rock bag— and um rope that goes along with it it's like it's like more of a twine it's like a paracord but high quality paracord with a rock bag and i have used this now for three years running and again it's one of those products people see me doing it they see me hanging my stuff what did my buddy do right when we got off the trail he went and ordered my rock bag i mean i'm telling you the, the this stuff is I'm not pulling your leg listeners this is next level people see it on the trail and they go what is that what do you got going on there and and where do I find it hilltop packs simple as that high level great construction cheap and this is why this is sort of a next level product is because I have never had an issue with getting one like it's it's high quality material when you're hanging your your stuff in a tree, you don't want to be worried about like the bag tearing and your your, you know, your great backpacking gear that you spent a whole bunch of time planning and, and getting all your food ready becoming like a pinata for a bear. You want it to be high quality, high um, you know, tear resistant. And I've never had any again, I throw this thing up there on the on the nearest branch. I get it up there and, and get my boom, 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 you know, no problem with the twine. It's lasted three years now, heavy use. And the bag itself is the same, same go. I mean, again, it's been, it's just great. I I wish I could go on more about these products because I love them that much, but I'm going to leave it there. These, they're next level tools. If you want any more information, feel free to reach us at our Gmail account and we will get back to you. But for, for that, Sean, that's, those are my two big ones. It was a tough decision but those those are two top tier tools for my backpacking
1: career at yeah, as of 2023. I think those are are really really good tools to to bring yourself in. So I I don't have a Catadine be free, so when when I've been backpacking, I've been lucky enough to have other people who had water filters with them or I was able to bring enough water for the trip. So I'm for the next trip I'm going to have to look into some sort of filtering system and I think that that's a really cool and especially if you're going to be at elevation where you know there's going to be a lot of water so you could use it to to drink out of those streams especially snowmelt snowmelt is so cold I cannot imagine how refreshing it is and then the food bag I think is really smart because I have a bear canister but it takes up so much space in my pack to to put all of my food in the canister because I got of course I went and got the extra large one because I'm a big guy and I need a lot of food right Dude, it it takes up so much room in my pack and is a pain in the butt to to fit everything around it so uh, a bear probably a better idea. I I know and
0: so I I will say I think there's a time and a place. If you are in grizzly country, maybe consider bringing a bear canister. Yeah. But in black bear country, I have never had an issue with hanging my food. And again, I just I just think it's I, I have done research on this at length, listeners, and I've I've heard from a lot of the, the pros around the industry. It's when it comes to lightweight hiking and enjoyment, what like, cut out the weight, you get more enjoyment. So that's where both of these are kind of like they're stemming from that methodology where it's like cut out a little bit of the weight, but still stay safe. Yep. And and enjoy yourself out there. Stay hydrated. Um, all right, Sean. Let's dive into what's been cooking. I know this has been a really big hit with the listeners. We've been we've been cooking some stuff up this this season so far. So, what's been on your menu? Uh, you've got your new place. You've been continuing to
1: yeah work it I, out. I made one of the the coolest, the weirdest uh, concoctions that I've made so far in sort of a stew. I know I, the look on your face is the same yeah. look I had when I saw this recipe. So it, it was super simple. It, it's essentially a, a bell pepper stew. It's similar to the like bell stuffed bell pepper casserole I talked about. I think either in the last episode, or the episode before that. But this one's more focused on kind of stewish. They use more stock involved. But the craziest part to me is it uses three different kinds of meat in it. So it uses, and this is the recipe. This isn't me ad-libbing. The recipe uses ground turkey, ground beef, and sausage. Now, I didn't have any sausage. So what I did is I took brats and I sliced the casings open, and then I used the brats and I sliced that up to kind of act as my sausage. And let me tell you the... Flavor profile was the craziest thing that I have made in the new apartment so far. Pairing all of those meats together was super cool, super weird, but like, uh, dude, it was, it was insane. I had it for lunch day with a little bit of shredded cheese over the top. It was so, so good. So, uh, I'll have to, I'll have to send you the recipe so that you can try it because it That's, was really, really good. That sounds
0: bomb. I need, yeah, please, please, uh, find that and we'll, we'll get it on there i i've actually been extremely i've been on travel listeners so uh what have i been cooking <laughs> just about whatever one thing i did have that was interesting and that i'll highlight sean was uh i've never actually had artichokes from a jar like in oil okay and i've been a big fan of you know like kind of fermented things recently like canned or pickled things and one i get my mom kind of my mother-in-law recommended this one but uh, saltine crackers with a oh with an artichoke hearth hearth? Is it I don't know how you say that on on top of the cracker actually was was very tasty. And it was like a simple snack. But but it definitely was something I've never really tried before and I I would recommend. If you're if that's kind of your you're into that salty, kind of like savory taste. Yeah. It it was a neat and then and then the next day I actually made a salad and threw some of those into the salad and that additionally now I have had artichokes in a salad but the thing that was unique about this was because they were in oil and kind of pickled they were already like really soft so it was like a great addition to a salad so I think that's one I'm going to start thinking about in the future is maybe picking those up from time to time adding them to the just to add kind of another flavor and like again continues to push towards that savory side yeah. But, but give like a different texture within a within a dish. And so it was kind of unique.
1: Oh, I've never had that before. I think I've seen the like canned artichoke hearts in the store. But I've never, or not canned, but like jarred. I've just never tried it. So I'm going to have to. All right. Now it's <laughs> another thing to add to my shopping list this
0: week. Yeah, it was. And the Trader Joe's ones, that's the ones we had. They were, they're like high quality. They're good quality so that was the i think one of the keys like they're from like france they source them from somewhere in europe and it was great so yeah i was slight i was slightly surprised because normally and the rest of the time i was eating backpacking meals which were destroying my stomach listeners if you have (laughs) tips for not getting your stomach destroyed from backpacking meals i'm all ears because i am like oh for four on trying like having one where I'm not sure if it's going to go well and then it doesn't go well. So, um, yeah, just all par for the course. That's another episode. (laughs) (laughs) So let's dive into this next and our final segment of the maintaining momentum series here. This is next level thinking. So we're going to kind of break it down even further. Uh, Again, you are out of that phase. We keep saying it. You're out of the honeymoon phase. But how are you going to take your thought process about the hobby to the next level? One of my favorite, and I was just nerding out about this because I have a trip coming up end of August into September. It's going to be a five-day, and it's the meal planning. And, and and it actually leads perfectly because I did struggle with this last trip, Sean, with some stomach stuff. Um, I, think it's a, uh, I think backpacking can be hard on your stomach. Mm-hmm. and and there's a number of reasons why and i'm interested to hear from the listeners if they have any experience with this so if you do please email us or reach out to us at our social media but i i think there's a lot of pressure one on your stomach when you're talking about hauling a sick uh you know 40 to 50 pound pack with with a ton of fluid and food and and all the stuff we bring even though you're lighter lighter weight of course um that's just a lot to put on your hips like to properly lift the weight it's it's a lot centered around your stomach and in your hips and after a day of stuffing yourself and then ending it off with a big ugh, gut bomb of a of a backpacking meal sometimes it does not go well for you so i just want to i just want to say listeners that it, it has happened to me and i've had to fight through the pain it's just it is part of the process of getting out there and not having your pantry. I mean, it's the way it goes. But with the five day specific ones, playtime is over. You can't be having, I mean, if it happens, then that's just it's gonna happen. You're gonna have to fight through it. But man, you want to mitigate up front the potential for. So I was just going through Sean, my I, I usually keep lists. This is my secret. So I keep lists for every trip that I've done and I and I put what I ate and what I packed, so I can go back. And I'm so glad I do this, so that I can go back and reference to see. Okay, I didn't have any stomach issues this trip. What did I eat? Mm-hmm. I did this trip. What did I eat? And and to try to avoid because it, it's all about taking the data points. You never know; it could happen. It could just be a bad day. Um, I am getting older now. I'm 32, so maybe that has something to do with it. Probably, uh, but. I'm going to do my best coming up in, in August to not have any issues. And I'm going to go simple and keep it, keep it very like, yeah, you know, I think it, you need a lot of carbs. Keep your stomach like less. I have found success with having less, uh, fiber, fibrous stuff. Yep. It's unfortunate because trail mix is so good, but if you overdo the trail mix, you can find yourself in a world of hurt. I'll tell yes, you he right can. now. Yes, you can so um very specific now some of the things I have had on the list Sean, and I'll tell you um I I am now doing uh cold soaking and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna pursue that even further to having a lot of my meals be like couscous because mm-hmm. again lighter weight baggies like Ziploc bags measured out for breakfast and dinner and no perishables in those so your your container never gets you never really get into an issue with having stuff going bad. So, you know, not using perishables. So those are just a few of my tips regarding meal planning. But again, one of my big next level thoughts on it is keep track of what you're bringing and how you respond after. And that will help you as you plan five-day trips. With regards to shorter uh, activities, Sean, you have any... Have you had any takeaways recently with your nutrition?
1: Yeah, so with the five-day trip, it's it's a lot of prep. And something that I'd recommend, I don't know if you've ever tried it, but I know I have on some of my longer trips. I meal prep ahead of time and then say about two weeks before I leave for the trip, I eat the meals I'm going to eat while on the trip. So I'll make it maybe for lunch or for dinner or whatever it is. And that way I'll be able to see game plan how does my stomach react to it. Uh, that has helped me in the past, especially if I'm going to be doing more of the dehydrated like mountain house meals. If I'm not able to do like what you're planning on doing of, of prepping things ahead of time, I'm just grab a meal off the shelf, pour boiling water in and eat it. But some of those, you know, like the lasagnas and stuff are just, <laughs> they will wreck your stomach if you're not careful. So uh, I've tried that. You can, you can try that ahead of time with the shorter hikes, what I've found it's not as important what you bring with you it's what you eat before or after that is where most of my meal planning comes in so when you're on the hike plan to bring something so you have some sort of carbs whether it's a a protein bar or trail mix or honey uh uh Can't remember the oat bars, honey, oat bars, whatever it is. Like, like granola, is it like a granola bar? Yeah, like a granola bar. So bring something with you, plan to bring something usually higher in carb, higher in sugar, a nice little pick me up. I always have that in my backpack where I focus most of my meal planning on is if I know I'm going to be doing a trip, it's the meal in the morning or the meal afterwards where my energy goes. So if I know that it's going to be say a three to four hour hike that I'm going to be doing early in the morning. I probably won't eat beforehand. And this isn't just because I've been fasting in the morning. I won't eat beforehand because what ends up happening is for me, as soon as I eat, I usually pretty much within an hour or two have to use the bathroom. And yeah. if I don't have that flexibility, I'm going to be out on the trail, whatever it is. Maybe the trailhead doesn't have restrooms. Uh, I don't want to risk it. So I yeah. will usually bring more snacks. So I'll double down on the granola bars or the trail mix. I know I'm only going to be out there for four, f- couple of hours, right? Three, four hours. I can I can even push through, you know, uh, totally. maybe not even eat, right? right? Like it's, it's not too bad. And then when you get home, that's where you want to focus on the clean food and the high energy and not something heavy. So I've made this mistake before where I've gone for a really good hike I feel really good about myself. And I'm like, let's go to Denny's. <laughs> and then, you know, I like eat yeah. a huge sandwich or like pancakes or whatever moon's it is. The over my hammy. Yeah. And then you get home and you're like, oh my God, I feel like trash. My stomach is full. I, I can't even appreciate the fact that I worked out this morning on this hike. Like it just kind of takes that that away. So focusing more on the cleaner foods obviously, you know, fruits and veggies are going to be really good. You can get your sugars from the the fruits. You can get your fiber that you didn't have in the morning. You can get your fiber and stuff from the veggies, boost some of those vitamins. Also make sure you're eating something that has a a healthy level of sodium to bring back in the electrolytes that you may have lost when you were sweating and drinking just water. Uh, It's not as complicated as a five-day trip, but you do still need to take it into account, especially if you want to motivate yourself to go out again, because you yeah. can, you can convince yourself Saturday morning, let's go for a hike. I'm going to skip breakfast. I'm going to go do a hike and then I'm gonna go in and out on the way home. And then next Saturday, you're like, man, I remember feeling like crap. I'm, <laughs> I'm associating feeling like crap and that hike. Maybe I just don't go hiking anymore. Yeah. And you, I'm telling you, it's super easy to fall into that mindset. So, you know, prep your meals before. And after and if you are doing a longer trip, try and incorporate some of those meals into your week, either before or two weeks before. See how your stomach's going to react to it.
0: I, I like that, Sean. I like how you said more there because I think that's a very big key when you talk about next level thinking. Mm-hmm. The the lower level hobbyist is not going to bring more, and I know I'm not just saying this to say it. I'm saying because I've seen it, listeners. I mean. Every time, and you can ask my friends. I have had friends on the trail that I am bringing back to life. Whether it be with salt pills. Like, you need you don't just need the food. You need supplements in a lot of cases. If you are Mm -hmm. doing a very heavy elevation day, underweight, and you're expelling a lot of energy and sweat, you need more help than just to stay out of the danger zone. I mean, this year, I just talked to my buddy. And he said he felt so much better. His recovery was unbelievable compared to prior years because he just had enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think, like, again, we get into that mindset where it's like, oh, I don't really need... I'm just going to throw a couple granola bars in. And then you're in the... Then you're that guy that's, like, asking everybody else who's prepared, like, hey, man, can you can you pass some of the chips? <laughs> yep. You're like, dude, <laughs> no. I Well, yeah, I mean, you may, maybe you give him a chip because you're like, all right, here you go. But... Regardless, that's just putting you and the group at a detriment because now that person that planned adequately for themselves is having to give to somebody else. Now, again, most experienced hikers have a little bit more to give, but it's still I mean, it's kind of like one of the unsung rules here and kind of like uh, it, it, it's a it's one of the unwritten rules of courtesy on the trail is when it comes to your food. If somebody offers you it, that's one thing, but don't go around asking for it because they have planned specifically for their own personal body and what they need and you don't want to do it. Yep. I, I'm just going to say it up front. So that's important. And again, Sean, more like I just plan to have more sna- more snacks, more bars. You, it, it's a lot uh, and you can pack a lot of protein. Now, the main mainstay meals, of course, like you need them. You need to have your your morning your evening big meals finish and end the day, uh, so that's no different than a four hour hike. So I I love what you said there, and I think overall we covered meal planning quite well. But we're always open to hear any any uh any input from the listeners. So now our next one, itinerary planning here. So this is another one where you can really establish some next level thinking. Uh, You're not just trying to go and, again, just even talking about mapping. You want to understand the route you're doing prior to hitting the trail. You want to bring enough water prior to hitting the trail. These are things that are associated with itinerary planning. You've got to be on top of where you're going, what you're doing, what the level of terrain is going to be, is it going to be something easy? Is it going to be something hard? Depending on either of those things will directly correlate to what food and nutrition you're bringing and how much water you're bringing. In the summer here in Arizona, you need even for like a three hour, three to four hour activity in the summer on like level, pretty much level trail, you need two liters to two and a half liters per person in your party just for that effort that's a lot of water and people come out there with a 16 ounce water bottle and think they're going to be okay and it's just for the whole group with you know a group of four they'll be like, oh well she has a 16 ounce and he has a 16 ounce and I'm just I got a little tiny 12 ounce bottle. We'll be fine yeah you know, that's where we get into trouble listeners and we don't want you to be there. So yeah Sean, I, I want to hear your thoughts on itinerary planning.
1: Yeah. So when it comes to a long trip, there's so much that goes into the itinerary, Uh, anonymous figuring it out yourself, especially if you're going to be in a group that brings another complexity and maybe somebody wants to do this one this day and this hike this much, or they have only a certain capability or whatever it is, it can get complicated. And honestly, we could do an entire episode talking about how to incorporate multiple people into an itinerary and how to plan a long trip. We
0: love itineraries here.
1: (laughs) We we are. Uh, do you use Excel or do you write it out by hand? <laughs> um, what, kind of, what kind of engineering nerd are you? I
0: I, I write it by hand. I'm not. Okay. I'm not yep. really
1: on the Excel. Yep. Okay. So I'm I'm on the Excel, but it's the same same <laughs> vein same vein, right? So you're writing an itinerary. It is super important, and uh, we'll touch on it a little bit in our last point. But you want to make sure that you are ready. If something goes wrong, share your itinerary with contacts you have at home, friends, family, whatever it might be. Hey, I'm going to this point. I should be back by this point. If I'm not, I'll check in. Or if I am, I'll check in with you. If I'm not, you know, maybe you should start looking into coming and trying to find me type thing. Uh, you know, that is super important. For a five day trip, it's it can become super complex. And I recommend you take the time way ahead in advance of your trip to plan that. For a four hour-ish hike, obviously not as complicated. The where my planning comes in is kind of what kind of experience do I want? Do I want to do a loop? Do I want to do an, an in and out? Do I want to do a uh, lot of elevation gain? Or do I want to do something where it's going to be hot? Do I want to see something where it might be cooler? a Time of day? Is there going to be water? Is there going to be bathrooms? So it's a little bit more creature comfort. So when you're planning mm. a turn for a long time, it's what are we trying to do for my itinerary planning for most hikes is how do I make sure that my comforts are met and what comforts am I okay with not meeting as long as the other ones are right? Like I'd like to have a bathroom if I can, if I can plan a hike to where the trailhead has a bathroom, either when I'm going in on the trail or I'm coming out on the trail and have somewhere to stop. That's a big plus for me i really like loops i don't really like the out and back style hiking because i feel like i've already seen it once so (laughs) let's do something new let's do a full loop so there's certain things you'll find when you're planning you know that you want to do for the hikes especially if you're going to be bringing other people or for me for example this last weekend i took some time because kate and i took our dog on a four mile hike out of mission trails and it's an easy hike But when you're adding a dog into the mix, your planning gets a lot more complicated. You have to make sure you have enough water Mm. for everybody. How much water is my dog going to consume? You can't use the same levels you would for a human. It might be completely different. So you have to bring extra water. What if they need snacks or a treat, something, uh, do they need booties? Like how long can we walk in the sun before she needs to set and cool down? Cause she's a black dog. She might get really, really hot. You know, what if another dog comes on the trail and they start to get aggro at each other? What do we do if the trails narrow like all of this stuff you know i was laying in bed that morning going okay here's what this we need to do this we need to bring this we got to bring this bowl collapsible bowl, put water in do we need to bring food treats what are we going to do this we're going to do that okay we get to the 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 dam what are we going to do there but we can't take a dog on the dam so it kind of changes the whole point of going to the dam like there's it can complicate things so in my opinion the beginner hiker is somebody who pulls up a book sees a trail, it's three miles, I'm gonna go do it. I think once you get in the more advanced style, it is what kind of experience am I gonna be getting? What am I looking for? What are the comforts that I need? What are the comforts that I don't need? Uh, th- that level of of thinking. So just getting more specific and intentional. We've talked about this a bunch. But becoming intentional with your trips, rather than doing it just to do it, that is something that sets the you know more serial hobbyist away from somebody who is just doing it on the weekend because it's fun.
0: Oh, I agree, and this is this is great stuff, listeners. Sean, well done as always. I mean, you're always on top of <laughs> just uh, well said, and I don't really have anything more to add other than diving into our final point, which is. Contingency planning. Sean mentioned that it's very important uh, to be thinking about the worst case scenario. So, we have a couple different tools that we think are important here. One of the big ones I have incorporated and didn't when I was a younger hobbyist when it came to backpacking was carrying a first aid kit. Now, for my day pack, when I'm out doing some hiking, I mainly just carry some band aids and Maybe some some uh, anti antiseptic, and and a knife just in case something kind of goes wrong. Maybe I skin my hand. Oh, and a handkerchief is kind of like a go-to for me for just in case something happens. I scrape myself. I need it's a it's a great go-to in this. Um, now for the bigger hikes, I actually do carry a full-blown first aid kit, and that that it's. Rated. It's like a mountain. I could, I could link it below. I'll find the one. It's like one of the lighter weight ones, but still has all the things you would need. And then, uh, another big one that I want to highlight is for the five day considering bringing or having somebody in your party that has emergency beacon access. Sean mentioned before, you don't want to get into a situation where that person that you shared your itinerary with is like, oh no, it's day five. They should have been back last night and they haven't contacted me yet. So this can kind of just give your loved ones a little bit extra. And and a lot of the ones now, the, we've talked about them in the past, the Garmin uh, in reach actually can text people, which is just crazy to me. But yeah, you, you're you you're paying a premium for the service, but you can directly get in touch with, with your loved ones if you need to. So uh, yeah, that's kind of how i want to wrap it up sean any any additional things to add to
1: contingency planning i think you had a few thoughts on this prior to yep. the show yep so for me with most most of my hikes it's a very very simple first aid kit a couple of band-aids some Neosporin. You oh know, good you know maybe <laughs> I'm not too far off <laughs> no maybe maybe you bring in an ankle splint in case someone rolls an ankle you know some of the most common injuries you're going like to get a trail are blistering rolling an ankle, maybe falling and skinning a knee, right? Like those are most common of what's going to happen Happens to me all the time. If you're going to be going on maybe a longer trip, you know, planning for more of, do I know the location of where I am? If I do have to call 911 and they're asking me, where am I? Can I tell them, do I know how to find my GPS coordinates on my phone? So I can say I'm at this latitude longitude. Latitude, longitude, oh. you know, to be able to say, you know, I somebody in my party just got bit by a rattlesnake. I need a Medevac to come pick them up in a helicopter. Whatever it is, I think those are some of the things that you can think of. You know, uh I always keep tourniquets and stuff in my car for more emergency medicine. But I think, you know, even at a minimum. Going and getting CPR, AED, and, and first aid certified can be really helpful. They even have wilderness first aid classes you can take that focus specifically mm. on things like that. Uh, there's so many options out there, but I would agree. I think that part of your itinerary planning should be contingency planning. You should always plan for something to go wrong because best case it doesn't and you guys have a fantastic trip. Worst case it does and you're prepared for it. That's it's it's the best. Feeling in the world to be going through something, things have gone wrong and you're able to address it, deal with it and stay calm. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It does. It does (laughs) because you put all the work in on the front end. So, yeah, I think to take your hiking to the next level, plan a lot of the stuff out, go look for some courses. REI hosts them, Red Cross hosts them, you know, go be more prepared in case something goes wrong because it's usually not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Oh, that's great.
0: Well, great job, Sean, as always. Listeners, we hope that we have filled you with knowledge tonight, more than you could ever have hoped for from a maintaining momentum podcast here. We are John and Sean of the How To Hobby Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed the show. This will be airing at our regularly slated time, Friday a.m. 6 on the dot for our favorite day of the week. Everybody's favorite day of the week, Sean. Friday, we usher it in right here at the How To Hobby Podcast. And again, we are open to all feedback for this episode. As we dive into our Q3 for our maintaining momentum series we just want you to be encouraged with whatever you're doing out there keep up the great work and you know where to find us at the how to hobby podcast thank you for listening to another episode of the how to hobby podcast we hope you enjoyed what you've heard and if you did please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review and or follow us wherever you digest your podcast. We'll catch you next time, and wherever you are, we wish you the best. Thanks for listening.